Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. Hello. Hey, Pete, are you yeah. a victim? I am a victim. You are? Yeah. I, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, what is, what is it? I know I jumped about? right into the show. Wait, we're going to talk about <laughs> fighting against the victim mentality today. Yeah. But, um, I was just thinking about there's times in my life that I've been a victim where people have done things to me. And in the earliest one, I remember that really affected me. And I just, I thought about this and I just wanted to share it with you. I was in junior high or I was in middle school. I think they call it today. It was like uh, seventh and eighth grade. Okay. okay. Yeah. And that is a fun time. Yeah, it? it was a fun time. And we were out for PE and, you know, we have these short shorts on and we have our PE class and oh, I'm sitting yeah. there and, and I'm in the middle of, of this layer. I don't know why we were in a circle, but they were all girls and I was the guy in there or whatever. And another guy came up from behind me and he pants, pants me. He what? He pants me and he pulled pants. Down, yeah. He pulled down my shorts right in front of everybody. Oh no. And, and I didn't have underwear on or whatever. What a and I came nightmare down with for a junior yeah. high school student. Yeah. And so I, I figured that at that time, it really affected me for some time. Scarred for life. I was scarred. I believe it. And, um, and, I, and I know I had to deal with that. I wrestled with that as a kid. And, and I, I, was, I had a victim mentality a little bit because I would look at these guys and I would immediately stereotype them or I would immediately, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it made me have a negative uh, face with them, but that was an embarrassing story. That That's happened awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Kids are so cruel. Yeah, and the the one of the guy was just a really big bully guy, um, and you didn't mess with him. I mean, he was one of those guys. So anyway, did I don't you know. get your revenge when you grew up? You you beat him up? No, that happened with my dad. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard that story. Yeah. So <laughs> if anybody doesn't know my story, my my dad and I, um, I my dad was. Um, and I don't share too many of the details because I love my dad with a passion. Um, but there was, my dad battled with alcohol my first six years of my life. And, and so there was a lot of trauma there. Um, you know, uh, I would have to pick switches off the tree and I have scars on my butt from that. And uh, just a lot of things, you know, that, that took place during that time and, and not to get into details, but I held that resentment. Sure. Uh, yeah. And so when I was in high school, I think my senior in high school, my dad and I got in, I think, three different fist fights. And uh, the first one, he kicked my butt. My dad never fought fair. My dad was the guy that picks up a hammer and comes after you with it. Um, he'll pick up a chair. He'll do something. I mean, that that's he's going to win. Yeah. My dad was brought up in the streets and, and he was actually in the mafia in Chicago. I mean, my dad, my dad's past was pretty brutal. Um, he's come a long ways with Jesus. I could tell you that. But yeah, so that that was kind of that, but yeah, so that happened, but never That's with crazy. anybody else. Yeah, but know. victimhood, I mean, it's like it's everywhere in our society. It's like it's almost like a badge of honor to be a victim. Like that's kind of how our culture like looks at it. It's weird. Yeah, it's like you um, you feel sorry for people, I guess, with a victim. Like you know, they're a victim, or they um, you know, and they demand or they feel like they deserve things that sometimes aren't true. And, and again, we're not trying to bash on people or we're not trying to say that, but I'm just, we're just saying it's, you know, kind of what the show is going to be about today. It's just, it's not the very best way. And, and we should probably identify those areas that we're, we were victims or we should identify those areas where 
um, maybe it's not as healthy as it should be, hmm. you know? And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about. I don't know. Do you have a story or do you remember something that's happened to yeah. you that kind of trying to think of one while you were telling your I story, I was trying <laughs> I to think, and then you brought up your dad's story. I'm like, Oh, I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Like, oh, um, man, I don't know. I know it's hard, huh? Just it is. But I know, but I, I know you, I, I know at times you play the victim though, it, it, you know, examples. And I think we're going to talk about this in the show a little bit, but little things, just like when you're driving and somebody cuts you off and it's like, you want to get mad and it's like, come on, really? It's not that big of a deal, but it's easier sometimes to just say, you know, be the victim. Oh, what do you, you know, I don't know. I think it's just cultural. I, I, you know, I know for a fact in, in just because we deal with people every day, you and I, or we, we we're, as leaders or people, we deal with people on a deeper level in a lot of ways. And, and how people respond, how they react, how they view things, um, you know, their statements they make, um, you know, you can sense or you know, especially if you understand this topic well, you, that they're, they have a victim mentality. That, you know, and, and I would say that I know for a fact I struggled with it and I still struggle on certain things. You know, when I overreact, that's a victim mentality. When I, when I get angry or get upset, victim mentality. When mm -hmm. I, um, you know, when I, when, I, when I feel like I'm better than somebody else, like, oh, that person doesn't know how to do that. Or, I'm better than that. I mean, that's kind of, that's a victim mentality. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things in, in our lives that's that. So my hope is, as we go through this, that we find healing here, you know, that people that are listening here, that they can really ask themselves the hard questions because we're going to ask the hard question. And, and, and I, my, my heart is as they listen to this, that maybe they stop, you know, when we ask these hard questions or, or if God starts working your heart with one of these, that maybe you stop listening for that moment and, and really meditate on it. And, and answer the question out loud and, and work through kind of what we're talking about. Because this is one of those things that if we truly want to be set free from, from certain bondage, there's a lot of things that, that cause us to be separated from God in an intimate way. But this is one of those that really we need to wrestle with and we really need to come to terms with and be honest with ourselves. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. That's, it's, you know, the fighting against the victim mentality. But you, did you think of something as I was talking? No, but I thought, oh. of, I thought of an example. Well, here's, here's what came to mind when you were just talking. It's, it's the, the guy at the pool. Jesus comes up to the guy at the pool yeah. and he's just, well, I don't have anybody to help me. I don't have anybody the to help me in the pool, the pool of Bethesda. Thank yeah. you. And, and Jesus asked him, well, do you want to get well? You know, it's just like, well, of course. I mean, it's almost like harsh, right? It's like, of course I want to get well. Yeah. But nobody's helping me. Yeah. yeah. But he, he playing the victim, yeah. right? Oh, he definitely was. Yeah. yeah. So that's what came to mind. Yeah. So. And it, it's natural. It's not, you know, it's we get hurt in life. Um, circumstances happen in life. Um, we don't realize that we've compartmentalized it or that we've suppressed it or that it's even there. It's just it's there. It, it is what it is. Yeah. And the Bible gives us clear, clear ways to not allow that to be, in, to, to hold on to it. You know, bitterness comes from victimization, mm. you know, and a lot of things that um, happen in our life, if we do not surrender it properly to the Lord and we do not cast it over to him um, without knowing it, it becomes a habit and it becomes a way of life. And, and we start living a lifestyle that isn't the very best. And so that's why we're going to talk about this and, you know, it's, it's, it's a topic that's dear to our hearts. It's something that, um, well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So but, that's, 
So I got something that just came to mind. So yeah. I'm dealing with things at work and sometimes deals kind of go sideways yeah. and it's easy to kind of play the victim. Like, Oh, why is this happening here? Oh yeah. So I got to be careful about. Oh yeah. Satan like, will lie to you like yeah. no other. Oh yeah. Within the marriage, within anything, you know, he's, he's a liar. It's everywhere. Yeah. So, all, all right, right let's pray. Well, let's, yeah. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly father. We just, uh, we, we thank you for who you are. We love you. We, uh, we look forward to uh, talking about this this topic, Lord. We ask that you would give us wisdom, give us the words to speak. Father, we pray that our listeners would hear directly from you, Lord, uh, that our words would become your words. Lord, we just man, we want to help people, Lord. And uh, as we talk about this mentality of victimhood and being, and being victimized, Lord, I just pray that you would shed some light on it, that uh, you would give us freedom from it, Lord, that we could just cast all of our cares uh, at your feet. Lord, I, I just give you the show now, ask you to bless it in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just set it up before we get into our opening statement, just um, to give some context. You know, there's many of our listening today, they know about the tree of life. They've, you know, in Genesis 3, it talks about the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there's two trees that are there in the Garden of Eden. And, and the one tree is you know, the, the tree that we, we can have eternal life. It's the tree that we have fellowship with the Lord all the time. It's, it's, it's that tree. It's, it's the good tree, right? It's the healthy tree. It's the right tree. It's the holy tree. It's that tree. And then there's the other tree. The other tree is, is the tree that introduces you to evil. It's, it's the tree that when you take of it, the, the knowledge of good and evil, it's, it's you taking ownership of your, of your own actions. It's you, being God. It's you doing the things that are um, good in your own eyes, right? You're no longer trusting in, in another's eyes. You no longer surrender and over to God and what is very best in that eye. So, so we're going to talk about today is, is that tree, the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil. So after the sin, after the fall of man, God said that he no longer could have intimate fellowship because he has no, he has no place with sin, right? So he, he, man was taken outside of the Garden of Eden, and then now they were living in a, a sinful world. They had to take care of the grasses and the pains and working and just a whole bunch of things. And ultimately, the tree of knowledge of good and evil brought death, right? Because in the, the Garden of Eden, the Tree of Life, they were going to live with God for all eternity. But when they got outside of it, they eventually died, right? And when we know today that every that's the, everybody dies. Everybody, you know, eventually dies. And that was never supposed to be that way. But when Jesus came, he basically came and lived the perfect life, died, and then rose again. But what Jesus gave us was by believing in him and our surrendering our lives to him, he gave us now access back into the tree of life. The Bible says that when we die now, we have eternal life, that we are no longer separated from God, but that we can now have access back into his throne room. We can have actually have intimate fellowship with him. And so we're going to talk about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but where it's separating us. And when we make those choices to live that way, that's the reason why we have victimization, or that's the reason why we have separation from an intimate or intimacy with God is because we're not choosing the tree of life, but we're choosing the tree of knowledge and good and evil. All right. Now that I set that up, <laughs> when we start talking about that in this, in context, you'll understand what we're talking about. That's good. All right. All right. All right. So the context then for victimization is um, Satan is a liar. Okay. So we, we know this. So the reason why Adam and Eve 
chose to 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 go after the you know the, the the eat the fruit is because satan lied to them he deceived them so the reason why we do the same thing is because we are deceived it's it's it, there was a lie there was not truth involved in it and so we're going to talk about how to see that and what what are what are some signs that we're being victimized and how can we get help and how could we get healed from this and so that's the context. That's where we're going. There's the Bible is very clear in context that, you know, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and we're going to be able to separate those two as we, as we journey through this. All right. So let's, let's move on and, awesome. and get to it. Good way to set that up. Yeah. All right. So statement one, at some point in time, we have all been victimized by someone in our lives. A victim mentality is when you blame everyone else for what happens in your world. A victim mentality is when a person thinks that the future only holds bad things for them. Being victimized is a typical reaction to our wrongdoing. For instance, the devil made me do it, Eve said to God. And then the woman you gave me made me do it, Adam said. By blaming others, we escape our own accountability, or at least try to. A question that people need to ask themselves is this. Have you or do you currently have a victim mentality? And it's a great question. I mean, if you're listening to this, you in and you're hearing this for the first time, you know, this is a question that you need to ask. Are you a person that blames other people? Is is everybody else wrong around you? You know, it's it's I'm a we sometimes I'm around people, you know, in my life and they're just negative all the time. It's like every time you're around them, they're constantly negative, 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 negative. Well, that person, I can tell right away, has a victim mentality. Something happened to them in the past that they've gotten so much bitterness inside of them that they're constantly blaming people. It's like they can't, they can't accept, um, you know, they can't accept their own mistakes. They, if they mess up, well, it's not because of this. It's because they did that. You know, it's, you know, husbands and wives deal with this a lot of times where, uh, a husband will ask his wife something and then wife will say, well, I didn't do it because you didn't tell me exactly how to do it or something. They'll blame you. They'll, they'll, there's a, there's a victimization that goes on there. Um, so I deal with this. I personally can say that this is true for me, but I can, I, and I can also identify it exactly where I'm victimized, but I spent a lot of time meditating on this and really seeking the Lord. So you, if you're listening, just keep this in the back of your mind. Keep asking this, you know, have you or do you currently have a victim mentality? And as we go through this, I think it would be more and more clear. Yeah. All right. Okay. So statement number two says, let's take a look at a few examples to help put victimization into a better perspective. If a victimized parent's child gets into a school and fight, a fight at school, it will immediately make excuses such as, well, it's not their fault. It's because, or it's because their teacher wasn't watching the room or the other kid had it coming, or someone else told him to hit him. It's never their fault. So their child did nothing wrong and bears no responsibility. He's simply a victim. Yeah. And then there's another part, or what, what if you, you were due a promotion at work and you didn't get it? Right. Would you think that you deserved it and that your boss was out to get you? It couldn't be that he found you playing on the internet every day instead <laughs> of working you immediately believe you were the victim and justify in your heart. He never liked you from the beginning or you knew it, you know? So that's, that's in thought. What's another one? Well, what if you were in a car accident and it's not your fault, you know, it's not your fault because you were drinking and driving. It's because the other driver in the car didn't know how to drive correctly in the conditions that you were in. Again, 
you are the victim. And yeah. You can turn it around any way you want. You yeah. can always make, and that's a telltale sign. And it, and again, it's for part of us, it's a natural response. You know, we immediately start figuring out, okay, who else is wrong in this <laughs> instead of us taking responsibility. But these kinds of examples can go on and on forever. But I believe it is clear that what victimization is. When we assign blame to someone else, we rationalize a negative internal state of or challenging external situations by focusing on the wrongdoings of others. We claim that I wouldn't be so manipulative and miserable if my wife would just treat me well, or I wouldn't always be so irritated if my, fi- my family just didn't argue with me all the time. So it, again, it's we victimization, we all battle with it. Okay. So what we're seeing here is if this is you and you, and you're maybe you're, you have it worse than others. Okay. Maybe you have it slightly. I still have it slightly. I used to have it worse. I used to be really like this. I would, I would really come down hard, but you have to be honest with yourself. And so as we're going through this, if you want to be set free and you want to have freedom from this, because this is hindering you from knowing Jesus, okay? By having a victimized mentality, you cannot have proper intimacy with the Lord, and you cannot properly hear him. And so the reason why we're talking about it is because we want you set free from that. We want you to find freedom here. So, all right, let's move on and and just keep talking about this in context. So statement three says, God does not want your victimization to turn into a mindset that affects everything that happens to you in life. He doesn't want you to spend the rest of your life wearing glasses that cast a negative light on everything. God wants you to look at things differently. He wants you to have an overcomer's mindset. I love that. We have to ask ourselves this. Are there any areas in our life, like with our parents, in our marriage, with past friends, with people, uh, even our church members, people we go to church with, where we have taken a victim mentality? Yeah, we covered a few topics there because, I mean, parents are usually number one. Okay. So parents, I am because my parents made me. Yeah, it's easy to blame mom and dad. It's they're always number one. So we can, we have to come to terms with that. We have to let that go. We have to surrender that. Our marriage is another one, you know, uh, our kids, our marriage, our past friends. The reason why they're past friends is because we're victimized by them. You know, something happened in our past. I can't tell you in my past that I, I used to burn bridges and didn't think anything of it. Well, I was victim of them. They did something. They said something that hurt me, right? I didn't like them. I never dealt with it properly. I just burned the bridge. That's why the Bible is very clear that we need to go to them and ask forgiveness and make things right and mend the fence. But many of us have just burned the bridge. We don't even, or, or people at work, our past bosses, you know, people that got the promotion that we didn't, that we just talked about. Yeah. We're victimized and we're hurt and we're bad. Or and we start believing Satan's lies. Maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe I'm just this, or maybe I'm, you know, because of my parents or because of this, this is the reason why I'm that way, or because of this choice or whatever. We know we don't see ourselves in the light of Christ. We see ourselves because of the lie that Satan's given us. Most another thing that's very big is church members. Church members. People get hurt at church all the time. I don't go to church again because of this or because they they should know better. The pastor should know better. I cannot believe that he told me that. The pastor, I saw the pastor get caught in adultery. I can't believe that. I don't believe that faith. Or I went to this church and all they talked about was money and money and money and money or whatever. And I can't ever go back to church. So they have a victim mentality and, and they feel like they, you know, they should have known better. I, I know better. I'm the best. And they're just miserable. They're miserable people. And God says, that is not the very best way to live. 
That is hopelessness. That is a negative. That is a hurtful mentality. And it's not, you're not, you cannot be a blessing to those around you. You can't be a light to darkness. You can't have any lasting fruit if you're living in a victim mentality. And so this is very important. Right now we're building the case. We're going to get to how we can get help. But, but ask yourself these questions as we're building this case, if this is you. And if it is, be honest and humble with the Lord right now. You know what strikes me here is these um, relationships that we're talking about are getting attacked. They're like family unit. And then you were talking about the church unit. Mm. They're like the building blocks, yeah. God's building blocks. Yeah. So it's no wonder that that's what Satan yeah. attacks. Yep. So when you talk about Satan as a liar, I mean, yeah. that, that's why he's attacking them because yep. they're so, they're so close mm. and, and important to God. Yep. All right. Next one. The tree of knowledge of good and evil will always make you feel inadequate. Allowing what has happened to you dictate how you live your life will always focus your attention on yourself and how you feel rather than God and his love. Devil wants us to be forever stuck in a world of blame and self-condemnation. But God wants us to believe that we can do all things who strengthens us. Amen. Philippians 4.13. Amen. You know, we must reach a point where regardless of what happens, we accept responsibility for our own lives. We can no longer hold on, hold anyone else responsible for the state and the relationship that we have with God. If we lack trust with our Father, then we're going to lack trust with everybody else. If we are complete in our Father and trust Him completely, then nothing else anybody does matters because our fulfillment is in God's love. Our fulfillment and our identity is in Christ. It's I that no longer live. It's Christ that lives within me. And as I live, I live for the Father and for the glory of God. And everything that I do is I do it so that he is pleased, that he is elevated, and everybody around us is blessed. But when we're living a selfish life, we're living a victimized life, we're living a life that when it's all about me and how I feel, what I think, and we blame everybody else, we can't be set free, and we, we cannot have the proper intimate relationship with God that he's asking of us. It's, it's, it's vital. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but we can't if we're blaming other people. Yeah. But if we see people as Christ sees them, now we're no longer living by our own power. Now we're living by the authority and the power of Jesus, and now we have the ability to overcome Good. You said something that kind of jumped out at me there. You were talking about how we see God. And it reminded me of that quote, like what we think of when we think of God is the most important. I don't know who said that. Mm-hmm. It's the most important thing about it. That's it. So what we visualize when we think of God is the most important thing about it. Was it, um, I'm trying to think of who it was. It wasn't C.S. Lewis. I don't think. Yeah. I, I, it's one of those, but yeah, I know but the quote. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I would like to like to give credit to where credit's due, but I can't remember. But I mean, but the, the bottom line is what we're saying here is it, the, the problem here, the victimization problem here is we have a father issue. Yeah. And, and, and the reason why we have a vict- we're victimized mentality is because we don't have the proper relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is saying, listen, I can help you. I can get you through this. I can get you, set you free from this mentality but there's going to be an effort on your part. And we're going to get to that. But, the, but so, all right, let's all go. Right. God does not want your victimization or hardship to affect your entire life. 
In fact, God wants to set you free. Jesus is the ultimate example of someone who was victimized, but overcame a victim mentality. You know, it's hard. I say this all the time when we talk about this film, Pete. Yeah. It's hard to watch the film, The Passion of the Christ, that part specifically where Jesus takes the stripes on his back. Oh. That was only the beginning of his humiliation. Yeah. Then they pluck out his beard. They spat on him. They gave him vinegar to drink. They made fun of his kingship, and they crowned his head with thorns. Jesus was then nailed to a cross and was completely blameless. There was no deception, no guile, no sin of any kind found in him. If there was anyone who had the right to be a victim, it was Jesus. Yeah, I mean, he was he was an innocent man that Satan, you know, got these guys to, to blame him and to accuse him, and they persecuted him and they killed him. And, and Jesus, uh, and we're going to talk about this in a second, but Jesus looked down and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not hmm. what they do. And, and Jesus did not see these people as out to hurt him. He saw these people uh, as separated from the Father. And these people were doing this is because they didn't understand the Father's love. They didn't understand how much he cared for them. They've been lied to. They were lied to their whole life. And so they were carrying out their own victimization on Jesus. You know, Jesus never felt sorry for himself. Instead, we see Jesus at his lowest moment refusing to let his critics accusers and murderers bring him down. Remember in 1 Peter 2.23, it says, he committed no sin, neither was it deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to, to him who judges justly. Jesus put himself in the hands of God who judges justly. Amen. There is no victim mentality in Jesus. In fact, even while they were crucifying him, he said, Father, give them. He is not bitter about what happened. Jesus gives us the best example of how to be an overcomer. Ask yourself this question if you're listening to this. How can Jesus' example of overcoming victimization help you deal with your own victimization? It's an honest question. Yeah. Ask yourself that. Right. Boy, he gave us a great picture. He did. All right. Not only did Jesus show us how to overcome victimization, but so did Apostle Paul. He was thrown in jail for the cause of Christ. In Acts 16, verses 25 through 34, Paul says, or it says, Paul is in a dark, cold, damp prison cell, yet there is no complaining coming from his lips. He's not showing any self-pity. He is not angry towards those who have put him there. There is no vengeance planned. In fact, in Paul's book in, the, in Philippians, the major theme of Philippians is joy. What we see Paul doing is putting on the mind of Christ. That's such a great way to put that. Putting on the mind of Christ. And instead of being a victim, he became a survivor. He was able to overcome his victim mentality. Yeah, his mindset was set on Christ that in the midst of calamity, he found himself worshiping God hmm. instead. Instead of complaining, he saw his victimization as an opportunity to further the gospel. Remember in, in Philippians 1, 12 through 14, it says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Hmm. 
ask yourself the question, how could Paul's victimization help you? How could all the bad things that have happened in your life, how could you start seeing it from Christ's perspective? How could you start looking at people the way that Christ looks at them? How could you turn the bad into good and share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen, friends, you were created not to bring glory to yourself. If you are saved and blood-bought and forgiven, you were created to bring glory to God. And so everything is about Jesus. Everything is always about moving the kingdom of God forward. And God uses all of our circumstances, all of the issues in life, everything, so that we can see it as an opportunity to use it to further the gospel. Remember the story, though, in context is Paul is is um, witnessing and all the people got in an uproar and this guy's changing, turning the world upside down and, and Philippians, you know, all the people there are like mad and he's like, put them in jail. So not only did that, they beat him, they put him in jail. Earthquake happens in the middle of the night. This is the context. Earthquake happens in the middle of the night and Paul is worshiping. He's worshiping right there. The guard comes in is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to I have to kill myself because the guards, all the people got out. And Paul's like, no, nobody's leaving. We're all okay. Don't sweat it. And it's at that very moment, the guy's eyes were open. What this guy is preaching is true. Hmm. He's telling me about a love of Christ that I cannot comprehend. And this man's life was changed because the way that Paul was living his life, he wasn't a victim. He wasn't blaming the, the, the jailer. He wasn't blaming the people that are... He was seeing and saying, God, I'm drawing closer to you in the midst of this. And because of that, the byproduct is others around us are blessed and saved. That's what's happening with Paul. Yeah, I can't help but think if I was in that situation, I'd be complaining or, you know, doing something other than that. In fact, I, I wear a bracelet as a reminder, and it says, all it says on it is complain less, worship more. Amen. It's just a great reminder because it's yeah. so easy to fall into that trap and just yeah. say, oh, what was me? You know, like, why am I in this situation? It's nothing compared to what Paul went through, and certainly nothing compared to what Jesus went through. Yeah, it's it's, and again, you know, we we're saying this over and over again. The more that we press into Jesus, the more that we spend time with Him, the more that we know the true Jesus, and we are loved by Him, we are naturally acting and thinking as He does. Hmm. But if we don't know Him, we are going to complain. We're not going to worship. It's not going to be a habit of ours. The only time that it becomes a habit of worship and less complaining is because we have known the Father, and the Father has known us. Amen. All right. Let me give you one more example. All right. Remember Joseph? Yeah, back I do. in Genesis. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, he was sold into slavery by this by his brothers. Crazy story. Who st- Yeah. If you haven't read this recently, go back and read Genesis. It's what 35, 36, 37, 37. Right around that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so his brothers sell him into slavery. They stage his death, make it make it look like he was killed by an animal, um, and then tell his father that. And then he goes into Egypt. Remember Potiphar's wife yep. who, who was trying to seduce him? Yep. Yeah, how many how many guys would probably have been happy about that? But right. no, he was doing the right thing. And uh, when he kept refusing her, she decides to just lie to her husband and tell him and tell him that uh, you know, hey, Joseph was trying to come on to me. So yeah, remember I, he ran out of the yeah, place he, naked. Yeah, he yeah. left. He left his cloak or yep. whatever yep. Um, behind, and then so he gets thrown in prison again, or not again, but you know, he was sold into slavery. Now he's being thrown into prison. Yep. Uh, and then Joseph could have walked around with a chip on his shoulder. He could have complained and said, "Oh, what was me?" Uh, you know, expecting people to feel sorry for him because he's falsely in prison. But instead, he does uh, just 
incredible things. He, he becomes his character is so uh, so good that he earns the position of second in command in the land. And yeah. you got to go back to the whole story of the the cupbearer and the and the bread baker, and, and it's just an amazing, amazing story. Go back and read that Genesis uh, thirty seven through like forty. Is yeah, it's his a story. Yeah, it, but or it's 50, just, 50, yeah. It's a great, a great story and a great reminder and a great way to live out exactly what we're talking about today. Yeah. You know, he did not have Joseph did not have a victim mentality because when his father died. Um, at the end of the story in Genesis, his brothers were afraid of him because they thought, you know, hey, because this is what they would do, right? Yep. They would of take course. out revenge. Okay, dad's gone That's, now. It's now natural. Can, now let's kill him. Yep. But he didn't do that. In fact, he said, you know, how did he put it? He, he I guess we could read it. You have the, we have the quote. Go ahead, read it. Oh, Genesis. yeah, there it is. Genesis 50. Yeah. He says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am in a place of God. You, meaning his brothers, intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. He reassured them and spoke, kindly, and spoke kindly to them. A victim mentality prevents you from doing what Joseph did for his brothers because it causes you to focus on yourself and revenge rather than the well-being of others. It is only when we see people how Jesus sees them that we can be set free from victim mentality. Ask yourself this question. How can Joseph's example of overcoming victimization help me deal with my own victimization? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a little bit, each one of these are a little bit different. You know, here's, you know, a family member betraying him. Yeah. Here's, you know, here's people that he loves and he trusts. He's innocent. Remember, he's the innocent one. He's mm-hmm. the one that's loved by his father. And, and he's sold. And, and you can easily get bitter from that. You can easily blame them and say they were lunatics or whatever. And, and here's coming full circle. Joseph immediately put his eyes on God. Yeah. He, he did not hold on to it. He worked out his salvation. He worked out the problem. He didn't try to fix the problem. He didn't try to, uh, you know, blame others for the problem. He didn't try to correct others for the problem. He surrendered the problem to the father and he saw it from the father's perspective. And instead of saying, Lord, I, I blame you for this. I'm mad at you. Couldn't you have protected me, God? Couldn't you have done that? That's a victim mentality. Instead of saying that, he said, Father, Thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to be able to see my brothers the way that you see them. You did not use this for harm, but you used this to further the gospel. You used this for me to be a blessing to them and to help them and to to bring the, the love of God to this situation. They know they did wrong, but you chose to do right by them. And it's only by God's grace that he does that. And we have to see that in our own lives. And then the same thing with the Potiphar's wife. That's a different one. You know, that's, you know, I've, I've had this happen to me in church. I've had people falsely accuse me of doing something that I never did. And these are prominent people within the church. And I'm just going, what in the world is going on here? My immediate reaction was I wanted to get to the bottom of it. I wanted to correct the wrong. I wanted to figure it out. Hey, what is this? And I would go in and I actually had the conversation with the powers to be. And I would share with them, hey, why is this happening? This is not true. You know, I wanted to get my voice across, right? I didn't want to let it go. I wanted to write a letter. I wanted to make a big deal. I wanted to get other people involved. I wanted to tell other people about my problem. I wanted to do all of these things. 
And I remember a still small voice in my spirit when I was spending time with the Lord that day, and he said, let it go. Let it go. Just let it go and ask and pray for them, forgive them, and let it go. I am the author and finish of your life. I'm the author and finish of their life. And so if I did not let that go, I would have a victim mentality. I would look at those people in a different light today. But I can honestly say that I love them and I'm fine with it. I'm good. I let it go. It's, no, it's behind me. The father worked it out. That's the difference. And I pray that this helps people understand that. This story with Joseph, I mean, it's so easy to think, you know, he could have got caught up in the circumstance. We talked earlier about his relationship with the father or our relationship with the father. Because he trusted the father, he didn't get caught up in the circumstances. And he gets, you'll see at the end of the story, he gets rewarded, not because he's second in command of Egypt. He gets rewarded to know that, look, it was never about me. All these circumstances weren't about me. It was, you're just like, almost like a chess piece in God's master plan. And then he got to see the whole plan come and like, okay, now, 20 years later, he knows exactly why all that stuff had to happen. Yep. yep. And, and this is what happens when you um, allow the father to be the father. Okay. When you don't take control over it, where you surrender it and let go of it, God says, cast all my cares and burdens upon him. He always says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So we need to understand that if we're carrying a heaviness or a weight, or we're trying to fix the problem, then we're not in the father's will. But what ultimately happens when we surrender that is God entrusts us with more responsibility. And, and when you fully are walking in a surrendered life with God, remember the, the, the parable of the talents? You know, yeah. he gives one, one talent, gives one five talents, one ten talents. And if we, you know, if we're, well, here's our talent, God, here's our giftings, and we're using it to bring him glory. We're using it and we're trusting, he's entrusting us to, to move the kingdom and forward. He's entrusting us. He knows that we're going to make the right decisions. He knows that we're going to cast over our cares and our burdens. He knows that we're not going to be victimized then God puts you in a more of a position of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what happened with Joseph. He looked at Joseph. He searched his heart. He saw Joseph's heart. And he says, he is faithful. Yep. He is true. And then he entrusted him with more and more and greater and greater responsibility. That's what God does when you get rid of victimization. You bless exceedingly abundantly more than you possibly think. All right. Awesome. All right, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil does not have the ability to transform the heart. It can give you facts, it can give you information, yep. but it cannot give you abundant life. Mm. John, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came, Jesus speaking, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Yeah. Whatever caused you to fall into a victim mentality of thinking, it's your, it's your responsibility to break free from it. You must stop blaming and pitying yourself and take responsibility for your life. That is one of the fundamental underlying principles of the gospel. The gospel teaches us to accept responsibility. Romans 14, 12 says, therefore, each of us shall give an account to God. Victim mentality says, I am too much of a victim to be able to have or, or to be able to have to be responsible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, um, I'm too hurt. I'm too painful. There's nothing I can do to be able to get, um, better in here. And so they're, they have a victim of battery, but teach yourself to be grateful for what you do have in life. First Thessalonians 518 says in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 
We have to understand that we have much to be grateful for in our life. Stop complaining and look at every circumstance as an opportunity to bring glory to God. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without complaining mm. and disputing. So if we are in that mentality, in what, what you were just talking about with um, that life abundantly, is um, we have to take ownership ourselves. And um, we have to today, and this moment, as you're listening to this, um, you have to today take ownership and say, you know what? I'm no longer going to be the victim. I'm going to take what takes place in life. I'm going to see things from God's perspective. I'm going to surrender it over to the Lord. I'm going to trust God with it. I'm going to see it from what he is doing in my life. And I'm going to draw and press into him. Because when we do that, we are then set free. But if we continue to keep ownership of it and we continue to hold on to it, then we cannot have that intimacy with the Father and we will not have abundant life. It will be quenched. It will not be on fire. It will not, there will not be unspeakable joy. Hmm. We would not be able to write the book of Philippians as Paul did. We would not be able to have that joy. And because every time something happens, we are immediately attacking. We are immediately blaming. We are immediately getting into that. And so if you have that habit, then I would highly recommend that you would get in contact with somebody to help walk you through this. We would love to be able to help you with that, but you need to get your, yourself in a position where you can get out of this victim and victimized mentality. And it's going to take Jesus in every aspect of it. And it's going to help to, you're going to need somebody else too, to help walk you through this. All right. All right. So um, the next one is just to forgive. You know, C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. When you hold resentment towards another, you are bound to that person or conditioned by an emotional link that is stronger than steel. Forgiveness is the only way to dissolve that link and get set free. When you forgive, you will find freedom and healing from those things so by all means, by all means, forgive. And that you remember, I just told the story about somebody in the church that yeah. said something about yeah. me. Well, I, that was the first thing that I had to do. I had to forgive them. And, and immediately, instead of me accusing them, they were, they're in the pastoral level as well. Okay. And what they were saying was a complete lie. It really was. So I have to recognize that if they are saying this, maybe they're blaming or casting blame or they're doing that. I have to see immediately, maybe there's hurt and pain in their own life. Maybe they're working out things in their own life. Maybe they haven't been set free from something. And there's a reason why they're saying what they're saying. So in my mind, I have to forgive them and say, you know what? They're still growing just like me. They're still on the path trying to figure out life just like me. Who am I to act like I know better? But I do know God does. Right. And so my job when I forgive them is saying, I am trusting you, God, with them. And I pray that you would just give them peace, give them knowledge, help them see this, humble them, help them understand and help them draw closer to you. When I do that, I am then set free. When, because I no longer am holding on. I have surrendered to the Lord. I am now asking God to bless them. I've forgiven them. I'm asking God to, to speak into their life. That, is, that shows you right there that I've been set free. I'm no longer a victim. Um, Hebrews 12, 12 through 15 says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 
See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So that story that I just shared was that verse exactly. My heart was that see that God's blessing would be upon them, that God would speak to them and help make them whole. That is what holiness looks like. You see it from God's eyes. All right. All right. Last one. God has given us so many promises in his word. If we would just focus on a few, he will supernaturally move us forward. He allows us to go through the valley to strengthen us. That reminds me of Psalm 23. Yeah. But if we continue to trust in him and his word, we will be set free. Yeah. So just spend time in prayer asking God to forgive you from being a victim. I mean, that's the bottom line. If you if you heard this and you can relate to some of the things that we said to, you're a victim and, and you need to be set free from that. It's not, it's not healthy. It's never going to help move you closer to the Lord. It's only going to help move you away because every time that you're a victim, you're claiming to be God. You're claiming to know better. You're not trusting God in your response, right? You're, you're, look, you're, at, you're taking the tree of knowledge and good and evil. And God says, when Jesus came onto the earth, he came to give you back the tree of life. He wants to provide for you. He wants to protect you. He wants to, he wants to keep you safe. He wants to empower you. He wants to bless you like Joseph. He wants to give you more in your life. He wants to abundantly, more than you can possibly think, abundant uh, life, abundant joy. That's what God wants to give you. And a victim mentality is a very inconsistent life. You might be able to go to church. You might be able to, the, to, to do the things of ministry. You might have a really good mask on, but deep down when you're cut, you come out swinging. When you're cut, you come out blaming. When you're cut, you come out complaining. When something in your past, you haven't been able to set free from it, you come out hurting in a way that's, that's, that's very showing. And, and it's in those moments that we need Jesus the most. It's in those moments that we need to be set free the most. It's in those hardships. It's in those times when we're lied about, we're persecuted, we're hurt, we're blamed. It's in those moments that we need to entrust God with. And it's in those moments that we can be set free and live abundant life. And so I pray that today, if you're listening to this, that in your heart, you would just pray, God, forgive me of my sins. I pray that you would help me to to not be a victim any longer. I pray that you would set me free from this. I pray that you would move in my heart to just want to walk closer with you, to trust you in everything, to be still in your presence. I pray, God, that you would help me to know you in a way that's deeper and intimate. And Lord, that you would help me to see people the way that you see them. I just prayed right now that you would just bring freedom into my life. And I pray that that was your prayer. And I pray that you, you, after you've heard this and you spend time, that you would just, just talk to the Lord right now. If you need to get into the word of God, just start reading, open up the book of John, or just spend time meditating on his truth. Worship, turn on worship music and just say, God, help me to just be, to enter into your presence. Whatever it is, just get into his presence and let him love you. He loves you so much. Do not run from him. Let him heal you here. Bob, we would love to hear from them. How how could they? All right. Webster's Dictionary says the meaning of victimization is hostility and ill treatment, especially because of one's background or beliefs. A riot aimed at persecution or massacre of a particular ethnic or religious group, unwanted sexual advance, 
the action or fact of a victim of victimizing someone for personal gain as a punishment imposed for breaking a law, a rule, or a contract. You know, the tree of knowledge of good and evil will always be the source of victimization. Its goal is to rob a person of their innocence and their joy. Genesis 3.10 says, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she said. That's why I ate it. There's, there's lots us. of ways. First, I would, I would direct you to our website, theriotpodcast.com. Um, lots of resources there to help you out and to answer some questions you have and ways to contact us as well. If you're listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to check us out on YouTube. That way you get to see Pete's hair. You don't want to miss that <laughs> part of it. So um, check us out on, on Facebook, our, our Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button and uh, always like and share it with others. You know, it doesn't cost you anything, but it really helps get the word out to other people by, uh, by doing those things. So we would ask that you would, would uh, like and subscribe and share, uh, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you happen to be watching or listening to us. And we love to hear comments from our listeners. So if you have time, man, just, just reach out to us. Let us know where you're listening to us from. That would be a blessing to us. We thank you for that. I hope this show has been uh, encouraging for you. I hope that it kind of shed some light on uh, the victim mentality. And, uh, and I just go back and look at those examples we shared with you. The example of Jesus, the example of Paul, and the, exam the example of, of Joseph. Uh, I, I think it'll really shed some light on what it looks like to live a life that's not full of victim victimization. So, Pete, great show, as yeah. always. Blessed, man. Be blessed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you this week as you just walk intimately in God's freedom this week. Amen. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.